When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Um, and I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, we've got an interesting show today, and I say interesting from a couple of perspectives. Um, one is uh, my guest is uh, geographically very uh, close to my heart. I mean, he, he uh, you know, kind of grew up you know, very close to where I'm living right now, and I just discovered that. He's currently living in Sydney, Australia. Um, but also because of the work that he's been doing, uh, the whole idea of digital technology and what is on the horizon, you know, kind of how do, how, do how do we actually get our arms around some of the stuff that's coming and it's coming really fast uh, in some very interesting ways. Um, Kevin Shimoda, you know, just to kind of give you a little bit of background here, uh, he is you know, one of the world's leading experts on digital technology. As a matter of fact, yeah, he was the global head of marketing and partnership uh, for WeChat. Uh, and right. if you're familiar with digital technology in any way, shape, or form, you have run into WeChat, which is uh, a division of uh, the Tencent organization, one of the largest digital organizations on the planet today. Um, he uh, just recently uh, was with uh, Accenture as a director of platform strategy with them. Uh, and that's you know, not saying just a minimal sort of thing. That's a big deal. Uh, platform strategies for uh, you know one of the largest uh, consultancies in the world. So Kevin, I just want to welcome you to the show and I'm looking forward to this conversation. I truly am. Thanks so much for having me, Blaine. Excited to be on here. And like you said, it is impressive uh, just chatting just now and figuring out how much geographical footprint we share you're an adjunct professor at Beijing University. I went to Beijing University for a year. Um, I'm from Bellingham near Seattle, and you are living in one of the in the San Juan Islands. And I was married on one of the San Juan Islands. You lived in Australia. <laughs> I'm living in Australia right now. So we share a lot of commonalities. Excited yeah, to have the conversation. I mean, it's, it's crazy how, yeah, the, the, uh, uh, the lines of uh, connection actually reveal themselves uh, yes. when we start really paying attention. Uh, and, and that's you know, something that I, I do want to talk about a little bit here, because in, in this may seem tangential, but it opens up a door for some things here. Um, and then I do have a question for you. But uh, yeah. the idea that, you know, we're different uh, is one of the, I think, one of the biggest problems on the planet today. And you know, we, we tend to sort for differences rather than sorting for similarities. Mm. And when we're sorting for differences, it's, it almost always leads to the experience of disconnection, separation. You're, mm. you're different from me. I sort for similarities. Mm. And all of a sudden, I find something that's kind of like, really? You live there too? 
Oh my yeah, God. Right. And all of a sudden we now have a platform where we can actually have a very different kind of conversation than what we would have had, had that similarity not been, uh, been yeah, yeah, brought to the forefront. So um, yeah, digital, you know, th that whole digital space, it can lend itself to one of those or the other separation mm -hmm. or connection. Um, and WeChat, you know, I mean, the, the whole name itself, WeChat, you know, implied connection, but there's also this nefarious sort of separation, social separation that occurs in, in a lot of the digital spaces today. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? And then I also want to you know, make sure we transition as quickly as we can to a new book that you got, because I'm fascinated by the title of that book as well. So mm -hmm. we'll just start with The Digital Divide. So, so let me let me make sure. What, what, rephrase your question again. I want to make sure. I heard nefarious, and I was like, "Oh, what a beautiful word!" And I, I know that I, it means like it can be a little bit evil sounding. But what do you what do you exactly what are you trying to ask here? The illusion of social connection through the use of digital technology actually okay. lends itself, if we're not paying attention, to digital disconnection. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I I actually become more separate and less social. I love, love being social. I love that question. Okay. I'm glad I had you rephrase it because I didn't fully understand your question. And I think that's a beautiful question. Um, and I, I mean, you, you actually have a little bit of an assumption that like the, the, the illusion of social connection is something I, I, I accept as a fact. Um, and, but I do, I do really agree with you. Um, I think that, yes, it, it is. It's an interesting and a good point that in a way, Technology is bringing us all together. Um, it's, it's technology is bringing us all together in a way like never before. And we are now on Facebook. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 33. I, grew, I was born in 88. And so I got Facebook when I was in college. And then it, what's interesting is that friends that I had before Facebook, I don't know how to connect with a lot of them, you know, like, or I don't know how to find them. I have a friend from eight years old that was my best friend for three years. And I don't, you know, I don't know how to find that person. Like I, I, I think I kind of don't remember the name. And then, but then after Facebook, every one of those friends are going to stay with you for the rest of your life. You're never going to, you just can't lose that connection because of Facebook, which is kind of like, in my mind, um, I know a lot of people in the West are getting sick of Facebook. They're like, oh, it's, it's bugging me all the time. You know, it's, it's so much information. It's so much misinformation. It's so much blah, blah, so many ads. But for me, I just use it. I use it rarely. I use it to connect with people. And it's like the yellow pages of our modern era. It's how you find and call people. Um, yeah. So a lot of connection. But like <laughs> you said, and I really do agree with it, is that you, you can lose a lot of deeper connection because you have a lot of surface connection. Um, I, I'm just like random kind of example, Dungeons and Dragons, this like role-playing game is yeah. kind of been having a return and I've been playing it online. I play it and I've been playing it online because of COVID and we're all playing it online, but it starts feeling like business meetings. There's like lower bandwidth. Um, people aren't paying attention. You, you just lose so much that you have in an in-person interaction. Um, and it's so much slower. And I just, and I actually, I just got sick of it. And I just kind of quit after a while. And I thought I didn't like the game anymore. And then I realized I just don't like playing it online because I love, 
it's so it is so low bandwidth it's so low connection um and when you're in person you can read all these body gestures it's real time everyone's paying attention no one's no one's looking at another screen you know because when you're on when you're online you can be looking at another screen you can be taking things out of context you don't have your full attention there etc um and i think that's a little bit of a metaphor for just social connections in general Mm -hmm. on social media um and i i think yeah a lot of people it's harder for them to connect deeper. They don't connect deeper because a lot of times when you're engaging people, they're looking at their smartphone and they're not really, it's hard for them to engage with you wholly. Yeah, the head is down, not up. It's, and, and totally. also the use, you know, the use of avatars and uh, the use of you know, a persona. You know, I've got a social yeah. persona. And who, you know, who's really behind the veil? Uh, yeah. That'd be yeah. I, yeah, that is funny. I know, I know in China, so Blaine, you've been in China for a bit and, and Facebook, um, I think did kind of a good thing in that they really tried to stress in their product, real names, real faces. Mm-hmm. So when you're on Facebook, I search Blaine Bartlett, I'm maybe I'll, maybe I'll find you. Maybe I won't. Cause like Facebook kind of, you know, you, you have to kind of be friends with a friend or something, but it's, I'll have a chance of finding, I'll have a chance of finding people and, and I'll see your, probably your face, you know, it's, so it's real names, real faces, and you don't have to do your face as your profile picture, but a lot of people do because Facebook has tried to create a culture where that's a thing. They've kind of tried to make that their standard. Um, whereas when you're in China, you use WeChat, a lot of people, it's fake name and a flower. You're like talking, you'll be talking to a flower for 30 minutes. And and people that I haven't met in real life, you know, I've just got connected. I get introduced to them um, or you'll be doing some service that you can do over WeChat. And then the person's like selling you, I don't know, like they could even be selling you a house. You can, there's so much commerce that happens over WeChat. Um, You kind of want to go, can we do a quick video call? I need to make sure you're, a person you? yeah you are you because right now i'm talking to a flower um and yeah and it can feel very <laughs> um unreal yeah yeah that's interesting now you know the idea the, the the title of this podcast is the soul of business right and you know tencent is one of the largest companies in the world um we chat certainly you know what is bumping a billion users yeah yeah oh past past yeah past now yeah, past that now. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, incredibly large enterprises. When you hear the soul of business in the context of some of the firms that you worked with, what comes to mind for you? You know, it's funny. The first thing that came to my mind when I see that word is capitalism, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is, you know, you, you, in an MBA, I've done my, my uh, I've gone to business school and you essentially you learn the definition of a company or a business is a money make a revenue generating enterprise. Um, and it's, and it is funny to hear I, I'm from Seattle or Bellingham and we're like a lot of libertarians, very left-wing, very liberal. And people are like good business saves the world and good business does all these things. And when you actually look at the definition of a business, it says, this is a, it's an enterprise, which makes money. It's a revenue generating thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you hear soul, I always, um, I'm, I'm a little less religious. And I think of soul as like soul food, like black food in Louisiana. And then I think of jazz and I, I think of, um, 
and I think of the soul of business, I, I think I start to, my second thought is a little more romantic. Um, and actually, I think this more romantic aspect is what, is what brings me back to kind of what WeChat and Tencent do. Because WeChat and Tencent, in a lot of, in a lot of um, Silicon Valley tech companies, for a long time, they don't go, how do we make money? They go, how do we get users? Because once we have users, we can get money. But let's mm-hmm. not make money the main metric. Let's make the main metric users. And that's what WeChat and Tencent does uh, do. Um, and what WeChat does that is just a little, has always kind of been a little step above Silicon Valley is Silicon Valley goes, how do we get users? Because we're going to shove ads on their, like down their, down their throats. What WeChat does is they go, they don't just go, how do we get users? They go, how do we bring value to users? And that's kind of this next level of just, I'm not just trying to get you in the door. I'm trying to just give you value. You walk in the door freely. I'm trying to give you value so that you get something. And then you go to your friends, hey, look what I got. This is really nice. Or, or you want to stay. But even more importantly, number three, you trust WeChat. You trust the product. And that is so key and critical that I think is very not understood in the West, that cultivation of trust. Yeah. Uh, yeah boy, I could not agree with you more on that, Kevin. Uh, I mean, Facebook is running into some, you know, uh, Meta is running into some difficulty right. around that. Right now. Yeah, and yeah, Google to a degree is, uh, I mean, there's mm-hmm. a number of different uh, platforms that trust, when trust is broken, everything's a relationship. Everything is predicated on relationship quality. And if the relationship is working well, you got a pretty good shot at being successful. Um, the, the, the foundation of every relationship is trust. That gets broken and the relationship starts to crumble. And you, know, you touched on something. I mean, Milton Friedman famously said that the purpose of business is to make money. Right. Uh, I could not disagree more with Milton Friedman in that context. Uh, I think you make money, as you were pointing out, when you're delivering value. But if you right. set out to make money, you're going to cut. You know, you're going to shortcut. You're going to you're going to make decisions that are not in service of a greater well-being, and that also includes your organization and its stakeholders. So the idea of uh, and I loved how you put this. It's kind of like you know, look look what I got. I feel good about. It. I I've still got the box that my first iPhone came in. iPhone <laughs> one, the first gen. I, I got the box because I was blown away with the packaging. That's worth of, something now, for sure. Yeah, I've probably, seen those. Yeah, like, I've seen iPhone ones on. I've eBay got it in the credenza like, behind me here. Yeah, it's like twenty thousand dollars for like the iPhone one right now. So yeah, well, I don't have the iPhone one. I've just got the box. But the, even the box. The people obsessed with the packaging of Apple. So definitely, definitely. <laughs> but but the, but I felt good about me. It was kind of like, gosh, I, you know, I I feel good about this purchase. I feel good about me for making this purchase, and that carried mm. forward. I don't mm. think it's an accident in any way, shape, or form that yeah, Apple is a trillion dollar has a trillion dollar valuation. That's mm-hmm. not an accident. That's a consequence right. of paying attention. And this is something that Steve did very in, deliberately in user experience. Yes. And he would have you know, make it. Yeah. You know, he he basically said when you well, and this is a story that goes on and, and it's been recaptured a number of different times. But you know, the Mac when it was first designed. Uh, the uh, anybody, yeah, and yeah, they, they all wrote their names on in, on the inside of the uh, the box. These art, yeah, these engineers. This was a piece of art that they were proud of delivering. 
It wasn't wow. a, corner, a corner cutting exercise. It wasn't the cheap plastic because we you know, were squeezing every bit that we can for margin here. It's kind of like we're delivering something out here that we want to be proud of. It will make a difference. People will feel good about it. They're going to the wow, all of that stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. So you're, you're addressing that, I think, in the question around what the, what's the soul of the business. It gets back to, and you mentioned soul food, you mentioned jazz. Yeah. That aliveness. Yes. Yeah. Soul of business can absolutely bring alive the experience of being a consumer in a, in a very positive way, as well as being a participant in the organization. So, you know, that, that's my soapbox feel. <laughs> uh, really good. I, yeah. Um, I'm, it's funny. I'm like, I couldn't agree with you more in the, but actually you were kind of agreeing with me. So that'd be agreeing with myself, but, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you go just even riffing off that a tiny bit with, with jazz, with soul, with soul food and soul in, in, in jazz and music and art, those things have, on the surface and intrinsically, no purpose. There is no reason to have art. There is no reason to have music, enjoyment, entertainment barely even has a reason. Um, and so, yeah, a business has a purpose, which is money-making, but there's just so many parts of it that aren't its quote-unquote purpose, which are so important. I, I personally don't really wanna do any more work that I don't believe is making the world a better place. Um, there you go. Yep. And like, yeah, like That's I said, I I'm like, on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks. I, I'm jumping on web three products now, as I kind of told you in the beginning, and I, I am getting concerned about things like Bitcoin and they do like, it's at some point supposed to be eight, 10% of the world's energy um, uh, consumption. consumption. Yeah, it's now yeah. the energy consumption of Argentina as an entire country. And that is really concerning to me. I'm, I'm from like, yeah, like I said, like the Seattle area, I'm obsessed with climate change and that's always going on in my mind. Um, yeah. If I didn't get into business, I'd be like some hippie tying myself to trees, but I decided I wanted to do something a little more significant and have a little bit more sway and hopefully keep a green enough heart that once I get into a position of power, I can make a change. And um, I'm jumping on a web three things like, there's new blockchains like Hedera, which is similar to a yep. blockchain, but it's actually carbon negative. Mm. So it has a, it's a tiny impact and then they buy carbon offsets. So they're yeah. like, and then you look at, compare that to the other things. So it's, I'm just really excited. I actually only found out it was carbon negative like two days ago, and I, but I knew I was already on the project. And I was like, how do you guys not lead with that point? They were like, oh, we're really fast. So I was like, how do you not lead with being carbon negative? That's you're improving, you're bettering the world. That's so yeah, massive. Just by existing, you're improving the yeah, world. Yeah. That's just, that's right. We're going to take a real quick break here. When we come back, I want to you know, just kind of follow on this thread a little bit. You've got a new book out, Super App. And there's, I think there's a link here to what we're just talking about. So we're going to take a real quick break. Talking right now to uh, Kevin Shimoda, and we will you know, pick it up when we come back from this, this little hiatus. See you in a minute. Well, I thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. 
And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back, folks. And before the break, uh, Kevin and I were talking about, and he had actually just begun to, you know, to reference this, Web3. And yeah, some of his concern around you know, uh, Bitcoin mining and some of the things that are going on with, with you know, that whole space. You've got a new book out that I think is going to be interesting to discuss here. It's called The First Super App. And I'd like to have, you know, you just take a moment here and lay out the premise for the book, and then we can kind of do a little deeper dive into some of the implications of it, because I'm, I'm fascinated. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and what we were talking about before, I mean, the, the soul of business is a great question. Definitions are always fun, especially obscure kind of phrases and obscure um, definitions because everyone can kind of go in their own direction. So I think that's a fun, that's a fun thing to start off with. Um, and I was talking about how WeChat Tencent, they take that. So first business money-making enterprise, Silicon Valley goes, get the users. And then WeChat Tencent goes, get user value. And that's, it's important. It's an important difference between get the users because, um, and this will all kind of go into, this is in my mind, a lot of the essence of a super app. Um, and it's this essence of a super app in, or I call it like tenets of a super app or a super app strategy, which is what I'm trying to explain and show in this book. And um, by the way, Gartner has just come out with a report, actually a report in an article, um, actually, I think three reports pretty much. Gartner just came out with all this stuff on super apps because they think it's going to be really big and it's beyond, it's not just hype. They think that there's a lot there. Um, they think it's going to take five to 10 years for all of this to even reach its, its pinnacle or like pinnacle of, of value. Um, so uh, it's, it's pretty exciting times. It's Elon Musk made it really big by saying he wanted to turn Twitter into a super app. That's what made, if you've been seeing super app in the news, it's Elon Musk was like telling everyone, I want to buy Twitter. I want to turn it into a WeChat style super app. That's what kind of made it really big. But the people um, that, that do a lot of business analysis like Gartner are going, this is something big for the long run. Um, so back to that kind of little point is that, yeah, Tencent, WeChat, they want to make user value. And then one kind of one interesting part of this was that it was about about it was while I was at WeChat, so I was there for four years. Um, we had around 800 million users, and they were using WeChat about two to three times as much on average, about 90 minutes on average, where the average for Facebook was about 30 minutes. And we were the envy 
of Silicon Valley. We were the envy of, you know, Apple and Facebook, a lot, a lot of, maybe not Apple, Apple just does so well, but we were the envy of, of Facebook and Google and all these players. Um, how do you get people to be on your app for so long? And what was interesting is that the founder of WeChat, he got up, he gives a, he gives like one talk a year. Now he doesn't really give a talk anymore, but he would pretty much give one talk one or every two years. But when he talks, he talks for about five to nine hours straight. Um, <laughs> he just goes up on stage and he doesn't get off. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, and he said, I see, he goes, this isn't a good thing. I see 90 minutes on my app as a problem. And he, he goes, WeChat is a tool and it should be used to accomplish things and create value. He goes, another, to, to kind of get, wrap your mind around this, think of the tool of a, a hammer. If you can hammer in a nail in five seconds, that's better than if you can hammer in a nail in five minutes. So he goes, it's bad that people are getting started, like they're on this app for so long, maybe they're not actually getting value. Maybe they're getting stuck. Maybe, maybe he goes, maybe I want, he goes, I want to increase the efficiency of value creation on my app. I don't want them to be on here for as long as possible. And so then he created, that was when he created this thing called mini programs, which are kind of like apps within WeChat. He goes, because I want to allow businesses to make little serviceable apps or, or sell goods or do whatever thing on WeChat and then make it so they can very quickly give whatever service to users. And then the users can get that service and then get out. And then there's like no notification follow-ups. No, like they can't, yeah, they can't follow you. They can't give you ads. You just do this. You get the service, you get out. And he goes, I want it to be like, the original internet dream of going to a website, you know, checking something out and then leaving, not having all these follow on notifications. I'm going to send you emails, newsletters, et cetera. Um, and so it was about reducing the amount of user time and increasing the amount of value. And that, no, that, that, and that was a big difference from Valley. what Silicon Valley talks about. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's absolutely the reverse. I mean, design the absolute sticky. The yes. Stickier the Stickiness. better. Stickiness. Stickiness. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the super app concept is quick in and out, high utility, but it's also a one-stop shop. Yes. So, okay. So the super app thing, so that mini program that he created, which was all about efficiency, um, that has kind of become the defining feature of super apps in the West. It's kind of like, but I, I see it as one part. I think the ethos kind of like quick in and out, quick utility, one-stop shop for so many different things. That is kind of the fundamental aspect of a super app. You don't need to have many programs. You don't need to have many apps like an, an operating system on an operating system. That's a cool thing, but that's a lot of, that's a high barrier to entry for companies to make apps on your app. That's a high barrier entry. In fact, I don't think that's a good starting place. You should have... A really easy, you should have a really easy thing that businesses can do that's not so complex, that doesn't require a developer. I mean, WeChat was already a behemoth when they released that. So what is a super app? A super app is, I say, I like to call it, a, it's an app that everyone's using to do everything. And they're doing it efficiently and easily. 
Um, and so uh, my more complex definition is everyone's doing it. So users to do everything that's content that businesses, governments, whatever creates. And then you have, and they use um, tools to make those, their interactions efficient. And you, the, it uses a platform strategy to reach you know, uh, like big qual quantity to reach mm -hmm. scale of these users and content. That's kind of my working definition. Yeah. So when, yeah, and, and as you say, I mean, there's already examples. There's, there are, you know, prototypes out there that are beginning to uh, gain traction. If there's no follow on, if stickiness isn't the issue, uh, or isn't the, uh, the, the holy grail, um, mm -hmm. where's, you know, this is the business question. Where's the monetization? Great question. Well, so you can have advertisements with mm -hmm. a super app. So Tencent's business model is about 20% ads, 55% games, and then 25, 30% other stuff. Um, a lot of value. And then like, and, and in games and the other stuff is like value added services. So what WeChat does is the advertisements that they have are very expensive um, for businesses because there's high interaction rate. They only allow three advertisements a day for per user so if you're a user the max you're going to see is three on the on like the main place which is the wechat moments kind of like the mm -hmm. wall you don't see any advertisements in chats which is the main the second the kind of the second main feature is like kind of like a facebook wall it's called moments the max you'll see is three um and then there's now there's channels which is kind of like tiktok um and you'll see some there as well but really limited but because wechat does everything because everyone's yeah. has their credit card connected they have shared their ad their address so their credit card connected and they're using wechat pay all the time they've shared their address all their friends are on there um when you put an ad you're nike you put an ad on there you go and they put on the moments check out these shoes the click-through rate is about a hundred times that of facebook because Facebook, you're just inundated with ads and you just learn to just ignore all of that. Um, yeah. And then you can click on it and then you buy it in WeChat. You right. click on the ad, you go to the Nike mini program, you buy it in WeChat. Then you go, hey, I got these shoes. You forward to a friend, they buy it. And then they forward to a friend, they got by. Then the company can see like first, second, third referrals and they can follow up with advertisements to like similar users. So they still make money off of ads, but they try not to have that be their main revenue. And then, then Tencent makes money in a kind of a little more sneaky way in my mind, or a little more obscure way, which is they invest in companies that do well, that would do well or already do well on the WeChat platform, which is they have a big social aspect. And yeah. they invest in those companies and then they help improve their WeChat experience then they elevate their exposure on WeChat and then those companies explode. So you don't see that on the Tencent um, financial accounts so clearly. Mm -hmm. it's, not a, it's, not, it's not a part of the revenue. It's they put a 5% stake in this company. It was worth um, 5 million and now it's worth 5 billion and they've skyrocketed. So, so Tencent actually becomes kind of an incubator. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. Tencent yeah. investment is... Everyone, if you were, if you just stay behind, like tens investments returns or some like, I have no, I don't know how high they are, but they're probably like 40%, 50% a year. It's just crazy how much money they're making. Yeah. 
Well, let me ask this question because I mean, Tencent is over a billion users. I mean, WeChat alone is over a billion users. Tencent is, is, is just enormous. How much does scale impact the viability of these super apps? Because you know, you know, I've been in China. I've used it, you know, WeChat in China. I mean, it. You know, I can shop. I mean, everything is right there. I don't have to leave WeChat yeah. to do yeah. anything. Right. It's all contained right there, and it. I mean, it really is elegant in that sense. No, yeah. <laughs> no unintended consequences it, as far as an end user is concerned. It's just kind of seamless, frictionless. That's a function of scale. Hmm. Yeah, I think scale is a big part of it. I think for me, scale, I think WeChat could exist without the number of people in China, right? Mm -hmm. So scale of China, economy, and number of people is a big factor. This, this is actually something I talk in my book, but I talk about it in more that China has developed a splinter net and their own internet ecosystem and their mm -hmm. own market. And the biggest, I, talk, I go into four factors about that, um, but the biggest factor of which is scale. That is, basically, I, take, I, make, a, I make a kind of uh, simple math thing where I just, I call it the gross smartphone user market. Whereas you basically, it's like 60% of people, 70% of people in China have, I think it's 60% now, have, have smartphones. And then you just go, what's 60% of the economy? That's essentially the market size for smartphone users. It's about, it's smaller than the United States, um, which is around, I don't know, some 16 trillion or 13 trillion with that, with that math, it's about 80% of people have smartphones, but it's, um, and it's, it's around 11 trillion US dollars um, a year, like as a factor of GDP, but then it's, it's bigger than the next three markets. So it's big enough to sustain a super app. Um, and yeah. so I think it would be, so that factor scale is really important. I think you need scale with the super app because with the super app model, you got to do everything. I mean, you got, you need a lot of, you need a lot of people to, to attract all of those companies. Exactly. Um, and you, and then you need, you need a lot of places to play to make that kind of investment model sustainable and a feasible business model where you can invest in something and then you can make sure it's successful. That is outstanding. Kevin, I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, this has been just, a, for me personally, an education. <laughs> and it's been an enjoyable, pleasurable education. So I want to thank you for that. Where can people find out more about what you're up to and where can they get a copy of your book? And folks, by the Thanks. way, that's called The First Super App. That's Kevin's book. Yeah, that's right. So you can look me up if you can figure out how to spell my last name. Um, my last name is a bit difficult to spell. It's Kevin Shimota, S-H-I-M-O-T-A. I have a website. You can go there. It talks about the book, talks about what I do. Um, I actually have my own podcast, which is more on China, Asia tech, um, a little more of that focus. It's not as it's not as succinct as Blaine. We go for like an hour and a half. Um, it's not it's not for the faint of heart. It's <laughs> we're not as well organized. Um, but check out the book. I'd love to hear. And and on my on my website, I have a contact me. I I get like one person contacting me a month. So be brave. Feel free to contact me. Um, and I'd love to if you read my book. I'd love to hear about what you think of it. Great. Folks have been listening to Kevin Shimota, and that's with a T, not a D, Shimota, yeah. Yeah, kevinshimota.com. That's right. Okay. Or Kevin just Shimota. look up the first super app. 
I should pop up. Yeah, the first super app. That's the name of the book. I can't thank you enough again, Kevin. Uh, this has been great. I uh, I could continue this conversation forever. You know, you're fascinating, and and what you're working with, I think, is just fascinating. It is the next evolutionary step, yeah, in in this whole digital uh, environment we find ourselves. So totally. Folks, feel free to um, go to my website, blainebartlett.com. Uh, you'll find all kinds of little goodies there. Uh, most of it's uh, available for free. Uh, most of my IP anymore is available for free. Uh, I do want to point you towards uh, a couple of things. One would be a mastermind program that uh, I run. Uh, this will be the third year where we're getting a new cohort on that. And there's some information on the website about the uh, Leadership Mindset Mastermind. So check it out. And until next time, you've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett, and I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Go out, be a center of distribution, not a center of accumulation, and life will work well for you. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.